I was reminded of a story I read one time of a man who was out hiking and he got too close to the edge of a cliff and he actually fell off the cliff. But then he was able to grab a hold of a branch. So he, he grabbed a hold of this branch and he's hanging there. So like any one of us would do, he'd started this yell. Hey, is anybody up there? Can anybody hear me? And all of a sudden he heard a voice. This is the Lord. I am here for you. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. Can you please save me? Yes, I will save you. Just let go of the branch. I am here for you. If you would just let go, I will save you. That's what I do. I am a savior. So he waited for a few moments, and all you heard was silence. Then you heard, is anybody else up there? (laughs) It's difficult for us when the rubber meets the road come on, to go through, to put action to our faith. Amen. Sowing a seed is a kingdom principle. You have your Bible this morning. Turn to Matthew 13, and I'm going to take you through a couple of different scriptures uh, this morning. And I have a different approach. We've laid some foundation in this series already. We've talked about how God wants us to trust him because uh, he has an unlimited supply There is nothing that God cannot do, and there is also nothing that he doesn't have to give. If he gives vision, he gives what? Provision. Come on, somebody. He has it already done. I've said this. This has been my theme, not only for my life, but I I believe for your life uh, as part of this church. And I believe for Christians, period, over the last number of years, that God is getting you ready for what he already has ready for you. We feel like God is getting something ready and when he gets that ministry ready or when he gets that wife or husband or when he gets that job ready, then I'm going to move right into it. Guess what? He's already got that ready. The job is already there. The wife, the husband, she's already there. He's there. Come on. The ministry's already there, but he's getting you ready and we must believe that, this kingdom principle. So we've laid the foundation through the eyes of the Israelites when they were walking in the desert and how they saw manna come every day. And God did it that way for a purpose, to to show you that he has an unlimited supply for you. But it was also to get you to trust him. Trust me, don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus reiterated that later on. Come on, when he was preaching, he said, look, you're worrying too much. It's not that you don't want to prepare. Listen, a man doesn't build a house unless he first counts the cost. So, of course, we prepare for tomorrow. Of course, uh, some of us have a 401k that we put into and we have a savings account and we teach our children to save. I I know that we do prepare for tomorrow, but worry is a whole different sin. Come on, I'll just put it that way. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And if you would put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, all of these things will be added unto you. All of them will be added unto you. He's telling us to come into the kingdom way. There's a way that God does things. He has laws that just simply work. I was, we were on our way to church this morning, and we were driving past the airport, and uh, right as we got close to the FedEx runway, a big, one of the biggest FedEx planes took off, and it was so surreal because we were so, it just happened at the right time. It was so close. 
And I was like, whoa, that, you know, it's just amazing. I looked over at my wife and said, that's just amazing. She was like, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it happens all the time. Planes take off and land. But it's just amazing to me that such a big body with wings. But because of the law of aerodynamics, and I have no idea what that even means, but because of that law and because of wind and all of that, it's able to fly. It just works. When God speaks something, it just simply works no matter what it looks like. This law of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, simply works. It just works. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says this, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered to him. So that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he goes on to say this. His disciples came to him, and why? They had a question. Why do you speak to them in parables? Why is it that you speak in parables? I began to wonder that too. Why does Jesus speak in parables? Why doesn't he just get up? and give six points. I mean, that's what I would do. I would give six points and have two sub-points under each point and try to get it across. But Jesus spoke in parables. Uh, he spoke in stories to get these things across. Now, this story here is interesting to me. I, I went all the way to the end of this particular parable, and I saw where Jesus said, some uh, sowed seed in good ground. So the first thing that I thought is, well, if I want to follow this principle of reaping and sowing, I just need to find good ground. You know, I need to know what good ground is. And so some religious uh, Christians may think, well, I'll find someone who has a real good ministry and it seems like it's flourishing, you know, whether it's uh, T.D. Jakes or whoever it might be, and I'll, I'll just uh, sow into that ministry and, and then, uh, you know, I'll get a great harvest just because I sow into that ministry. But I want to tell you that when Jesus says good ground here, we must understand that we have to follow what Jesus said. Do you know that good is the greatest enemy of great? Good is the greatest enemy of best. And good is also the greatest enemy of what God would tell you. When God speaks to you, it's just right. You may see something that's good, and it will be good. Kairos, it's a great thing to do. Come on. I mean, helping prisoners, doing all that work, encouraging uh, men and women who may be in prison. Uh, who would say that that's a bad thing to do? But I want to tell you, if the Lord did not tell Andra and Michael to do that ministry, it would produce a bad crop, even though it's a good thing to do because you didn't follow the Lord. See, here's, you know, again, I'm, I'm talking just because I've been in church all my life. Uh, when you see Christians, we're a funny breed sometimes, which is okay. God called us a peculiar people. 
But I see Christians and I see this talk of holiness. That's kind of a big word, holiness. Well, you need to live holy. You need to get right. You need to dress right. You need to uh, talk right. You need to walk the right way. All of those things could possibly be fruits of holiness, but doing those things are not holiness. Doing any of those things that not make you holy. Now, I don't want to be too simple. I don't want to act like, you know, we're in kindergarten or, you know, that type of thing. But I do want to tell you that when it comes right down to it, holiness is none of those things. You want to know what holiness is? Holiness is following the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. Mary knew what holiness was, just like she knew what faith was, just like she knew what obedience was. That very first sign at Cana, when she said, we're out of wine, she said some of the greatest words that Christians will ever need to hear. She turned to the servants after Jesus said, woman, why are you saying this to me? My time is not yet. Like a true mother, she didn't even acknowledge that. Son. She turned to the servants and said, whatever he says, come on. Whatever he says, do it. It's as simple as that. You're looking for holiness. I know you want to go in your closet and get caught up in the heavenly, heavenlies so the Lord can take you to the heavenlies and tell you what holiness is. But if you're a person who reads the word and prays and whatever he says, do it, guess what? You are holy. You are holy. So Jesus tells them here, sow into good ground. The ground that I tell you to sow into. And they asked him, why is it that you speak to them in parables? And he said these words, verse 11, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. If you're not in Christ, you don't know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. For whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have in abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore, verse 13, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Drop down to verse 16 for me. Jesus is speaking to you right here. He says, but, 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 however, however, but blessed are your eyes for they see. He's talking to you right now. And your ears for they Hear, for assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. God has placed you in a special place to see what he sees and to hear what he is speaking to you. Now, when we talk about reaping and sowing, Here's really a point that I want to get across to you today, if I get nothing else across to you. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and in my quiet time and, and, and sort of praying with the Lord and reading some scriptures, a thought came to me that, you know, um, whatever a person sows, that they also reap, okay? So we, we hear that, we, we read that scripture in Galatians, and, and we uh, hear that preached on, but like so many things, 
Scripture can be taken out of context. Now, I don't want to step on your toes this morning, and I promise you I'm not trying to offend you, but all I can do is give to you what God has given me, okay? And so I begin to think, you know, there are those people who may think, boy, you know, we reap whatever we sow. And so I begin to think about my life, and there are some things that I've sown that are not good seed, much less good ground. Come on. And so whatever you sow, you reap. So I begin to think, boy, we may be thinking, I'm going to reap a bad, I got some bad times coming. I've got some bad times coming because I remember I did that thing. I remember I said that thing to that person and I uh, did that thing over there. And I, you know, you think of all these things and you're thinking, oh boy, you know what? I just, it's doom and gloom. I just have to accept it. But I want to give you some good news this morning. In the New Testament, there's two situations when, it's, when reaping and sowing is talked about. Two situations. One, you'll find in 2 Corinthians. Sister Dietra speaks about it when we have offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Watch this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But, but, but this I say to you, verse 6, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Keep going. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here, he's talking about finances. He's talking about giving finances. You know, in in Philippians, Paul talked about, hey, you were the only church that really blessed me, and you were the poorest church, but you gave to me. He's talking about finances here. So that's one situation when we hear uh, about sowing and reaping in the New Testament. Let's look at another situation over in Mark chapter 4. The second one that you'll hear about. Mark chapter 4, watch this, put that up there if you have it. Mark chapter 4, is it verse 13? And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? This is based on the same parable that we just read in Matthew. Uh, how will you understand all the parables? Keep going. The sower sows the what? The sower sows the word. So we have finances and we have the word. These things, these seeds, fall under the kingdom rule of sowing and reaping. So you may say, well, Brother Mike, wait a minute. I know it says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You got to preach it that way when you, come on, whatever. Galatians chapter 6. Let me just go over there. Galatians 6. In fact, if you can find that, I know I didn't give that one to you, but Galatians 6, verse 7 on its own says that. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever. A man sows, that he will also reap. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he's also going to reap. I mean to scare you with that scripture. That's the way it comes across sometimes, doesn't it? But I think if you read, in fact, you'd have to read all of Galatians to, read it, to get it really in true context. 
But if you get this in context, if you go back to verse 6 of Galatians chapter 6, look at what he says here. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Skip down past verse 7. Go to 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. Verse 9 says... And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Now, the Galatians were a people, if you remember, right at the beginning of Galatians, Paul, he asked them, who has deceived you? Who deceived you to bring you some other gospel? The Galatians were ones who were trying to do anything they could to be holy. Come on. Now, they had good hearts, so we're not downing them. But they were doing all kind of works. They were doing everything they could to be holy. They were doing whatever they could to be holy. And so what, what Paul is telling them here, if you look at it, it's really talking about giving. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those, King James, I believe, says, preferring the brethren, especially those of the household of faith. And so if the context is giving, Then verse 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap, has to also be in the context of giving. Now come on, I know that's just a little quiet, I understand it. And I understand why. I do, because I'm thinking the same thing. Wait a minute, you're telling me I can do whatever I want and no bad thing will come, but only when I do the good things I reap a harvest? Actually, that's not what I'm telling you at all. Because here's the distinct. See, don't don't get it wrong. Now, I'm not I'm not I'm not preaching some uh, what do they call sloppy agape. I'm not teaching this doctrine of grace that everybody's going to heaven and you don't have to believe. Just it's already done for you. Uh, that's not the Bible. And in fact, uh, what I what we really need to understand is that there's a difference in the law of sowing and reaping and cause and effect. Consequences are still there. In other words, and I'm not, if you, I'm trying to think of something that nobody does, but who knows what that might be. There's, you know, so many people. Uh, I mean, if you're a smoker, okay, no, that's, I'm not, it has nothing to do with going to hell. There's only one way you get into heaven, and that is to believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and to confess with your mouth. That's the only way, okay? So stop judging people. <laughs> but if you're a smoker, Surgeon General years ago said smoking may cause cancer. You're a smoker and you get cancer. It's not as much about reaping and sowing, though we might look that way. And I know some will say that's semantics, but it's really more about cause and effect. Let me put it this way. If I walk down and uh, hit Jody, Jody may hit me back. She probably wouldn't, but she could. That's cause and effect. If you hit her, she might hit you. Come on. There's a difference in cause and effect and sowing and reaping. Here, here's what I want to get across to you, and this is really, let me, let's go to a couple more scriptures real quick, and then I'll get to the, uh, to the mountaintop. Uh, John chapter 4, here's what, here, this is the good news that I have for you, as it relates to sowing and reaping, not cause and effect. I mean, if you, you know, if there's something that you did that will create an effect, the effect will come, okay? 
But I'm talking about sowing and reaping. Look at John chapter 4, verse 36. Watch it now. It says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Now we just read in Galatians, whatsoever that man sows, he also reaps. But here, now does anybody know who's saying this? Where are we at? This is John chapter 4. Anybody who knows who's talking here? Jesus himself is saying this. Keep going. Do you have another verse there? I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, you have entered into their labors. You know what he's talking about? Again, we don't have time to go into the whole context. He's talking about the prophets of old. They have, they sowed, they sowed, and they sowed, and now you're a generation that at least those particular seeds, you're reaping what they sowed. Come on. You're reaping what others have already sowed. I'm talking about kingdom principles. We have to change our mind now from what we know about the world and look at kingdom principles. For one sows and another will reap. Look quickly at Psalms. If you've got Psalms 126. Psalms 126.5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Wait a minute. Whatsoever a man sows, that he also reaps. So if I sow in tears, I should just get a waterfall back. Or maybe it should start raining. But sow in tears, reap in joy. I'm talking about kingdom principles and I'm talking about God's heart toward you. He's talking about giving and receiving. Finances and the word. It is my desire to sow the word to you. Pastor Phil comes, Pastor Dietra comes up. She'll sow the, this morning, Brother James, sowed the word. One sows, another reaps. This law of reaping and sowing works. Here's the point that I want to get across to you. What happened yesterday is yesterday. If you're worried about anything in your past, I sowed, uh, you know, bad seeds in my past and I'm, I'm reaping, I'm going to reap a bad harvest. Look, don't be afraid that God is waiting for the right time to bring a bad harvest into your life. Understand cause and effect, please. Understand consequences, right? Because Old Testament, before Jesus, I'll leave you with one more thing here after this. Old Testament, before Jesus, that was absolutely true. Remember David? David slept with another man's wife and then had her husband killed. Well, then his firstborn son was killed. You remember that? Come on. David had an affair his son Solomon had an affair with many women, reaping what you sow. Come on. But do you understand that when Christ was on the cross, he got the harvest for all of the sin that you sowed? Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. But guess what? One man sows, another reaps. And in this instant, all the sin... Now, here's what will blow your mind. I'm, I've said this before, I'm just going to say it in a different way. I know it baked my noodle every time I think about it. Jesus on the cross reaped the harvest of every sin that everyone had done, every committed. I mean, from Adam and Eve all the way up. 
everybody, Haman, whoever, all of them, all the way up to, to that point on the cross. He had all of that sin on his shoulders. But wait a minute, what about all the people who were there in Jerusalem that day? What about after he died, the next couple days? What about people who sinned then? Well, that sin was on his shoulder too. He was reaping a harvest for future sowings. What about us here today? I mean, certainly none of us is sinless. We would like to think we are. What about all of that sin? Jesus already reaped the harvest for the sin that you in here have sown. What about kids that aren't born yet? Every sin that any child will ever commit, Jesus already reaped the harvest for that sin. That's why we can say in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you don't have to pay for it, you just have to believe. Now, conversely, if you're not a believer and you don't accept Jesus, you fall right under that curse. And I can guarantee you, if you're not in Christ, you will get a horrible harvest. I guarantee it. I can guarantee it. You will. So all this is predicated on being in Christ. For where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. It blows my mind to think you cannot out-sin God, His grace. And that might scare some and say, well, you shouldn't say that, Brother Mike, because you say that. People will say, well, I'll just go ahead and sin. Guess what? God is a father. I'm a father. I know what this is like. God is a father. Try it. Try it. Try it with your father. Remember growing up? Well, my dad is a nice guy. He's pretty nice. So I'm just going to do what I want. Keep going. <laughs> Come on. Most fathers love you too much to allow you to keep doing that. So if you truly are a follower of Christ, if you truly have him in your heart, come on somebody, he's going to begin to whoop you. Get right. And if you don't have that conviction, then you might want to wonder, are you really saved? I'm just saying, I don't want to get off into some other theology. But God's going to give you a whooping. But the thing of it is, just to know, and I know for me, to know that God is for me and not against me, to know that I could never out-sin God makes me not want to sin. I don't know how it affects you, but the love of God is so strong. I, I, I don't want to sin. I mean, I just feel bad. I was that way with my father. It got to a point with my dad once I got older that it got to a point where uh, it wasn't I was so afraid that he was going to knock me upside the head if I did something wrong. I was afraid of disappointing him. I was afraid that he would be disappointed and he would look down when he saw me. So I never wanted to disappoint him. That's the love of God. So this law of sowing and reaping works. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Start from today. Sow with your finances. In other words, be a cheerful giver. Don't withhold your hand in the morning nor in the night. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, come on. And sow the word of God. Now, to sow the word of God, you have to know the word of God. <laughs> so you need to read it. Come on, somebody. How many understand sowing and reaping? Come on. And it just works. It just works.